the patience of definitely thinking about Dharma. Whenever we practice Buddhist teachings, whatever we learn in these classes, with a patient and joyful mind, we are practicing the patience of definitely thinking about Dharma. So practicing improving your mind takes a lot of patience because our mind doesn't want to do what we're encouraging it to do. Even the meditation we've just done on the breath, the mind doesn't want to think about the sensation of the breath. It's so boring. So even when you say, uh, inhale, exhale, focus on the sensation of the breath, our mind doesn't want to. And you can easily get frustrated um, thinking, I wish my mind would do what I want it to do. Um, I'm getting really, it's quite ironic really, but I'm getting very frustrated in these meditations, even before the teachings on patience begin. So if you just think, don't worry, week by week, day by day, if you keep gently practicing, your mind will improve. That's the patience, a, a sort of simple example of practicing Buddhist teachings with a patient and joyful mind. You're going to get another excellent example tonight because tonight's teaching is not easy to understand. So there's a little warning at the beginning of tonight's teaching. So you just think, don't worry, it's so auspicious just to even hear this teaching. And one day, I'll fully understand it. That's the patience of definitely thinking about Dharma. We keep a joyful, happy mind, thinking, yeah, this is deep. It's deep. So tonight's teaching is deep, okay? Deep. So you may not understand it straight away, but it's an example of keeping a patient, joyful mind, and it'll become clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. So even if we find some aspects of Buddhist teachings, the practice difficult, we still try to practice with a happy mind. This is the patience of definitely thinking about Buddhist teachings. Dharma. So here's the more specific meaning. In Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, which is this little book by Shantideva, Venerable Geshla has done a most blessed and wonderful translation of Shantideva's speech. And uh, this entire text, um, How to Solve Our Human Problems, the example of uh, removing our anger and practicing patience is taken from the chapter on patience in Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. If you love poetry, beautiful words, these beautiful words guide our mind to freedom and happiness. In Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, Shantideva explains this patience of definitely thinking about Dharma from a slightly different angle. 
According to Shantideva's explanation, we are practicing the patience of definitely thinking about Dharma, Buddha's teachings, when we use our understanding of profound Dharma instructions, such as those on emptiness or dependent relationship, in order to deepen our experience of patience. So we're going to use, and please don't worry, it'll become clear, it's a very beautiful explanation. We're going to use our understanding of how things exist, emptiness, dependent relationship, in order to deepen our experience of patience. This type of patience is important because wisdom realizing emptiness is the only direct method of eradicating our delusions and suffering. So what are we going to do? If we use our experience of mental and physical suffering, so this is something we understand, mental pain, physical pain, if we use our mental and physical pain every day as an opportunity to improve our understanding of emptiness, the way things really are, existing as dependent upon, uh, as dependent arisings, not only will our pain become far more tolerable, but our experience of emptiness will also deepen considerably. So whenever we're suffering, our sense of self uh, increases. I am in pain. He or she is hurting me. Our sense of uh, self, which is called um, our way of uh, relating to ourself, our self-grasping, increases because we're in pain. I'm in pain. I, I, I am in pain. So our I that we normally see or perceive appears very strongly because we're in pain. We know this very well. You know, when we have a headache, a bad headache, it's like I have a headache. It's almost like our world has sort of shrunk simply to our headache and it needs to find a solution. Even though so many other things are happening around us and in the world at the same time, our sense of I, I'm in pain, I have physical suffering, I have mental suffering, increases. This gives us a much greater opportunity to realize the emptiness of ourself. Also, our pain forces us to look more carefully, so we're going to do this next week, our pain forces us to look more carefully into the actual causes and nature of pain, an unsurpassed explanation, pulling us deeper and deeper into the true nature of things, emptiness. So we're going to learn about pain next week. So now we're going to engage in some logical reasoning. So please put your thinking caps on your head 
and listen carefully. It's very beautiful to think in these ways. When a person is afflicted by a disease such as cancer, he or she experiences great physical pain. What caused this pain? The disease. So this is something we all understand. Then, if someone hits us on the head with a stick, pain also arises. What caused this pain? The wielder of the stick. So we're using an example of an inanimate cause of pain, cancer, and an animate cause of pain, a person wielding a stick. Okay, two examples of how pain can arise from a, a disease, an inanimate cause, or from someone else's actions, such as a person wielding a stick. If pain is experienced in both cases, so here's an important question. If pain is experienced in both cases, why are we more likely to get angry with the person who wielded the stick than with the disease? <clears throat> so that's the question. So we need to think carefully. We need to use examples in our own life. That when pain comes from something like a disease, or pain comes from someone else's actions, the question is, if pain is experienced in both cases, why are we more likely to get angry with the person who wielded the stick than with the disease. So we need to think how that is true first, and then we need to think what's our answer? What's our answer? So then Geshla says, the obvious answer, so this is probably the one we immediately think of, is that it is not appropriate to generate anger towards a disease, for it does not choose to cause us suffering. So it's not like as though cancer is choosing to cause you suffering. A disease simply arises when all the causes and conditions for it to arise are assembled. So this is true. When the causes and conditions for a disease such as cancer arise, the disease arises and pain comes. The disease doesn't choose to cause you pain, whereas it seems as though the wielder of the stick does. The disease is not an independent agent that chooses to harm us. So in and of itself, in this case cancer, isn't making a decision to harm you. Because of this, 
Anger is clearly not an appropriate response. So the disease arose from causes and conditions. There was no decision to harm. It arose from causes and conditions and causes pain. So because of this, anger is clearly not an appropriate response. So listen carefully. This is very unusual, wise way of thinking. You know, if we're going to solve our anger problem, we have to think in ways that normally we don't think in. We're going to learn new ways of thinking. So these new ways of thinking sound strange because they're new. But Otherwise, we just keep thinking the way we always think, which means we'll always continue to get angry. So please be patient with this way of thinking and think about it. That's called the patience of definitely thinking about Dharma. Okay, if we do not get angry with a disease, neither should we get angry with a person who harms us. Why? So we think they're completely different. So Geshe-la is asking, if we do not get angry with a disease, neither should we get angry with a person who harms us. For example, hits us with a stick. Why? So listen carefully. And we know this to be true from our own experience. Because he too is not a free and independent agent. He acts solely under the power of his delusions. Bad habits of mind whose only function is to cause harm. So I'm just going to repeat this. If we do not get angry with a disease, because the disease didn't choose to harm us, it just arose from causes and conditions. If we do not get angry with a disease, neither should we get angry with a person who harms us. Why? Because he too is not a free and independent agent. He acts solely under the power of his delusions. So we're going to learn more about this in a moment. But here's a beautiful conclusion. This is what we need to aim towards. If we are to get angry at all, we should direct our anger at these delusions. So the wielder of the stick is being forced, impelled to harm by the delusion of uncontrolled anger at their heart, like a puppet on a string. That delusion is pushing them to do hurtful, harmful things. They're not acting with freedom. No one with real freedom would act 
in such violent ways. Anger is controlling them. So if we want to get angry with something, Buddha says, get angry with the delusions pushing that person. Just as we do not choose to suffer from sickness, so the person who beats us does not choose to suffer from the inner sickness of anger. You know, when you witness in your own family or on the news, you know, often these days, someone may really hurt other people, even members of their own family, even their own children. Why would they do such horrendous things? Because they're being controlled by the inner demon of anger. So Geshe-la says, just as we do not choose to suffer from sickness, so the person who beats us does not choose to suffer from the inner sickness of anger. It's a sickness, it's a poison, it's the principal enemy of all living beings controlling that person. We might think, so this is another way we think, we might think there is a difference between our sickness and the angry person in that our sickness has no wish to harm us, whereas an enemy most certainly does have this wish. So the cancer has no wish to harm, but the person hitting us does. Then Venerable Geshe-la says, what we must realize, however, is that the person who wishes to harm us does so without freedom. He is completely under the control of his anger. You know, we know this because even in our own behavior, when anger controls us, we do, we say things that we would never do or say if anger hadn't taken over our mind. So, the same with others. What we must realize, however, is the person who wishes to harm us does so without freedom. It's not their wish. It's the wish of their anger is to harm you. Their anger isn't them. They're being controlled by anger. The person who wishes to harm us does so without freedom. He is completely under the control of his anger. He does not decide. So again, listen carefully, because we don't think like this. He does not decide. Now I will become very angry. There's no decision. 
Anger simply arises and takes over his mind without any choice on his part. <laughs> 